friends, and welcome to The Known Podcast. My name is Liz Burns, and I am so glad you're here today. Listen, we have an incredible episode. I am joined via Zoom by my friend, Dr. Melissa Archer, and we are discussing all things Jesus, women, and the Bible. Let's get into it. friends, it's time for a Puppy George update. Um, so many of you, well, nobody really, but I'm sure you've all been wondering how George the puppy is doing. George is now a five-month-old French bulldog. Um, he had his, is it spay or neuter? I, this is really not for something I thought we'd discuss on the Known Podcast, but whatever that one is, he had that surgery last week, so he's currently in the dreaded cone of shame. Um, but the thing that always tickles me about this is that the veterinarian will be like, and just make sure he doesn't jump or run around too fast. And I'm like, cool, 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 cool. Um, this is a five month old puppy. So any suggestions for that are greatly appreciated because essentially the moment we got him home from this surgery, he was off like insane. Um, but puppy George is doing good, you know, still not amazing with it being housebroken. Send me all your thoughts, prayers, and good vibes, um, on this continued journey as we seek to, you know, bring George into the Burns family. <laughs> if you have any great puppy tips, um, please message us on the Instagram at known ladies. <laughs> we'll be right back with my conversation with Dr. Melissa Archer. Welcome back to the Gnome Podcast, everybody. And it is my joy and honor to introduce to you Dr. Melissa Archer. Dr. Melissa, thank you for being here today. Well, thank you. I'm honored to be here. Now, I know you and have recently met you and know much of your accolades and um, all that precedes you. But for those who don't know, will you tell them just a 30-second blurb of who you are? Well, I am um, a professor at Southeastern University. I uh, teach biblical studies, mostly New Testament, and I'm also the chair of our graduate programs um, and enjoy that, enjoy that very much. My husband and I have lived in Florida for 11 years now, and uh, we came from Tennessee, and but but the best thing, I think, is that I have four grandchildren. That, that's oh. my favorite thing. So I am, I am a Mimi. To, to four uh, little little grandbabies, and they're all in Tennessee. I, I miss I miss them a lot, but yeah. you know uh, that's me. I, I'm at that age where I go, you know, what do I want to be called as a girl? Like I, my son, my oldest son's only a freshman in high school, but I'm closer to that end than I am, you know, the start. And I like Mimi. That's a cute one. That's a cute. One. I do too. <laughs> and my grand, my daughter-in-law kind of assigned it. Like she assigned everybody their names. <laughs> Hey, you got a good one then. <laughs> well, do, and it amazes me that yeah. the kids, like, they can keep everybody straight. They've got a Gigi and a Mimi. And, you know, <laughs> it's funny to me. Well, Dr. Archer, on our podcast, we ask everybody about their pets. Do you have any pets? And can you tell us about them? We do. So we have a little Shih Tzu named oh. Bella. Oh. And she is, she's fantastic. If you know anything about the breed, they just want to be with you like a baby always <laughs> constantly Aww. and um so and she's just adapted to our lifestyle um she's wonderful we we love her she goes everywhere with us <laughs> so yeah she's, she's our baby 
we're a very pet friendly podcast here. We always figure, you know, your pets may be listening with you. So we hope, we hope your pets enjoy the podcast. <laughs> Shout out to Bella if you are listening. Hi, Bella. Um, <laughs> well, you know, I wanted to have you on today, um, Dr. Archer. It's really interesting. You and I got to sit on a panel together a couple weeks ago about women in leadership. And it was interesting to me. Of course, they, they announced I was doing it. And then they said, and Dr. Melissa Archer's doing it with you. I was like, why are you bringing me on? I barely have an undergraduate degree in music, you know. But um, I loved all you had to say about Jesus, women, and the Bible. And I kind of wanted to dive into that a little bit. It's become such an issue um, when you tell someone you're a believer and you're a woman. I think there is presupposed ideas about what women who are Christians might look like. I know you have faced that. I know I have faced that. Um, let's just get to it. Is the Bible anti-woman? Is it? <laughs> um, a lot of people think that, right? <laughs> no, I, I don't, I don't think it is. Um, I, I don't think it is at all. In fact, you know, if we start out with Genesis where God creates male and female in his image, to me, that is such an astounding claim yeah. that, um, you know, we, we, we often forget about. Um, I, I do think we, we see some of the, uh, the culture of the, of the biblical world reflected where women are not, um, you know, treated as equals, very patriarchal culture, but that's not God's intention. Yeah. Um, God's intention was for men and women to, to be created uh, and, and function equally. I think when, you know, we talk about Jesus's, or I'm sorry, God's command in the garden to the, the first man and woman, you know, to rule, um, to, you know, subdue the earth, to be fruitful and multiply, mm-hmm. right? He, he doesn't give some of those to Adam and some of those to Eve. He gives yeah. all of them, even rulership yeah. to both of them. Yeah. Which, you know, suggests that that was the original uh, in, in, intention. So I think that's wonderful and something that we can re- we can recover uh, because when Jesus comes on the scene, when we open up our Gospels, you know, he is, uh, you know, showing us that women are equally valuable to him. Yes. As, as men. And um you know, so I, I always want to take my cues from Jesus. And yes, I think he's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what have you, I mean, I think you and I have kind of had a kinship in this because, um, you know, being a pastor at our church, we still, I mean, I'm speaking this Sunday, I'm preparing my notes this week, but, you know, I, last time I spoke, I remember a family walked out, you know, and they, they said, this is not biblical for a woman to, to preach the word. I know you've faced a little bit of that at two in your career. What, what can we say to people who not everybody is even um, malicious about it? Some really just have been raised to believe this is, this is true that women shouldn't be pastors. Women shouldn't be leaders. What, what is, why is it that this is okay now? Um, is this because we're, you know, slipping away from the truth of God's word or could it be that there is context in those words that we missed at the beginning? Yes, absolutely. And I, I, I think you're so, so right about that. Um, you know, if we think about the fivefold ministry gifts, right, um, there's no gender attached to them. Yeah. You know, it is simply the, the, the giftings for the community. Yeah. Um, and I think we have to remember that. So, um, you know, I too have experienced that. Um, I, I've also had somebody walk out when, <laughs> when I preach. Um, and that's just, it's, it makes you feel so terrible. And they weren't walking out to go to the bathroom. Like they never came <laughs> back. Um, 
And, and, and yeah, so, you know, we do have those couple of passages in, in scripture that, um, you know, most people seem to know first yeah. Corinthians 14, where a woman must be silent in the church. Mm-hmm. And then first Timothy two, where Paul says, I don't permit a woman to right. teach. Um, and then, um, even, even we bring in Ephesians five kind of, you know, women submitting Men, to yeah. their husbands, um, and, um, you know, I think we, we don't have time to, to unpack them all, but we have to understand that Paul is writing specific letters to specific churches dealing with specific issues. Yeah. And, um, you know, the first Corinthians one, uh, we focus on Paul saying women must be silent. But if we go back in the chapter, Paul's talking about tongues and prophecies, talking about order in the community, and he also will silence the tongue speaker and the prophet. But we never mention that. Um, And, you know, all of it gets under the guise that a service needs to be orderly. So whatever is happening in the Corinthian community, apparently it is um, disorderly. And so Paul says, you know, hey, if an unbeliever comes in your midst and they see all this chaos, you know, what are they going to think? Yeah. And so Paul's calling for order. That that doesn't dismiss the fact that Paul has silenced the women in this case, but it puts it in a context of, of women somehow creating a, a distraction. Yeah. Now, what that was, we, we don't know. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if we say women have to be silent then I don't know how we account for Paul saying women can prophesy as long as their head's covered right. or how we account for all of the women that Paul names that he works with Priscilla yeah. and Phoebe, who's a deacon and Junia, who's an apostle and right. all of these women that he names as coworkers. Yeah. Surely they are not silent in right. the church. <laughs> it, it, it just doesn't make any sense. But right. when we allow those those verses to be the lens through which we read the rest of the scripture, then we're going to say, well, women are out of order if they're preaching and teaching. But if we say, wow, these two verses um, seem to be an exception to what Paul has done in the rest of his ministry, then I think we can say that, wow, there must've been some things going on that Paul is addressing. And, um, you know, that's not a blanket prohibition for women in, in ministry. I think that's so good to, to acknowledge too, that, you know, I, I know I feel this way. I'm not, I never do any of this in an attitude of, and we'll show the men or this is against them. Like, I don't want to preach in that way or be like, I'm doing this. I just want to speak what I believe God's given me to speak, you know? And so for me, it's not even about being a woman. I just think I felt a call to ministry when I was 11 years old, you know, and I think to myself, I'm called of God. So I need to walk in obedience, you know? And yeah, absolutely. And I think too, you know, if we, if we really take acts two to heart that the spirit is poured out on all flesh, and then we see how it's sons and daughters um, and it's men and, you know, old men, young men, it's, it's servants and free people. um, Then we see the, the, the desire of the spirit to, to be poured out on everybody and that all people become instruments through whom the spirit works. And I think that. that that's important. Yeah. And people do listen, people like to um, cherry pick the scriptures, you know, and, and then it's like, okay, but 
this is a whole book, you know? And yes. so I, I do think that's a lot of it. And maybe if you've grown up in an environment where this was sort of taught, you know, it's, it's something to be um, digging deeper in, you know, you mentioned the verse about wives submitting to their husbands. Is it possible to be submitted and to be strong? I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think so. You know, you mentioned at the beginning something about, um, you know, just kind of the way women are often thought of and and, and Christian women perhaps are are, are thought of. And I I think submissive would be one of would Mm -hmm. be one of those words that this idea that, you know, men were created to lead women were created to to submit. Right. I think that's an unfortunate reading of, of the scripture um, because, because that same Ephesians passage calls us to submit to one another. One another, um, yeah. That comes first. Mm-hmm. And then we see how he works right. it out in, in the household. Yeah. Um, and as I always say, he spends a lot more time talking about men loving their wives yes. <laughs> uh, than, than, um, than women submitting to husbands. But, um, you know, Submission has to has to be both both ways, yeah. and and that's what we do. And and in that way, right? We're you know we're modeling Christ who who submits to the will of the Father, yeah. Um, and showing you know what what a community can look like when we prefer one another, when we give to one another, when when we have these you know give and take relationships. Um, true love of a husband means he's not going to just you know, use his wife as a doormat or right. just impose his will. Yeah. Um, it is, it is this sharing together yeah. um, that, that God calls us to. And yeah. so, yeah, I think, a, I think a woman can and should be strong. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, men can uh, exhibit emotions. Yeah. Another thing that we tend to not want to associate with men, because we see that as weakness. Yeah. So some of our, I think, cultural definitions of womanhood and manhood yeah. get upended when we start to look into look into scripture. That's so good. That's so good. I love that. Um, what would you say? And you've been at this longer than I have. Like, have you seen progress? Have you seen good things coming about um, in this area of not just women leading, but, you know, the idea of women in the church. I mean, yes, I just cited that people will walk out and that does seem to happen, but <laughs> it's not, I mean, a lot of people, that's good. So um, have you seen, say from the eighties to the nineties, you know, do you see good yeah. trends in this direction? Yes, I, I do. You know, I grew, when I grew up um, in a, in a, a Pentecostal denomination, um, never really saw women in ministry, didn't really know that was a thing. Yeah. Um, never saw a woman pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, never encountered a woman in that type of role till I went to college, and my Bible teacher was a woman, and it just wow. ooh, blew, yeah, blew my yeah. mind. You know, but but yeah, a- absolutely. I, I think progress is is being made. Um, and you know, you're a great example. Places where where women are given regular opportunities to preach and teach. You know, when people experience the spirit through through you, mm-hmm. you know that becomes a paradigm shift. Mm-hmm. Um, then they're going to read these scriptures differently. Yeah. So I, I I do see that as as really you know a positive. Yeah, um, we're not there yet, but we yeah right. <laughs> we, we're 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 getting there for sure. But you know, we also know there are places where you know women continue to, you know, kind of be 
held back in doing what they feel God's called them to. Absolutely. Um, What would you say have been the most influential women uh, in your personal life? I mean, are there, they could be people you know, but also are there women you look to um, in leadership roles that have had a positive influence for you? Yeah. Um, I mean, I always say my mom, um, she was a, still is, I mean, she she was a pastor's wife, her whole, her whole life, mm-hmm. um, or her, her whole married life, of oh. course. And, um, you know, she just always kind of modeled just such grace and, and beauty. Um, mm-hmm. so I, I always, I always have admired her, always look up to her. She never, she never saw herself as a, as a preacher or a pastor. Um, but just her engagement and interaction with my, my dad was always fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I mentioned my first Bible teacher and, mm. and really I've never forgotten that wow. um, because it impacted me so, so strongly. And she was just, she was such a wonderful example of, of, of a woman who um, she knew the scriptures and she taught with such passion and, you know, authority. Mm. Um, and, and that was just a really profound thing for me um, to, to see. Um, you know, I think, I think, um, you know, people that we see on a national level, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the, um, Beth Moore's and things mm-hmm. like that. And, you know, some of it has been even just watching yes. kind of what they have gone through yes. um, <laughs> has really, really, really been challenging. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know, um, I, I know um, get here at Southeastern and getting to work with with um, some of the women that have come through our master's program, like um, like a Holly Wagner from from California, um, and, and and just to see kind of the pioneering that you know that that she has done, mm-hmm. um, and then you know some of my friends who are you know theologians or. or uh, work in biblical studies, um, yeah. you know that area is so dominated by men, so they're really forging new new paths. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we think that everything's just wide open yeah. um, in terms of access for women, but it's it's still not. No. So there is a lot of work to be done. Yeah. But you know, I am really encouraged yeah. to see more and more women, and even our student body here at Southeastern. You know we have more women preparing for ministry than we have male students. And that to me is really exciting. Yeah. You know, I grew up Dr. Archer um, with a mom who was an ordained minister is still in the assemblies of God. And um, she's a firecracker. In fact, April 29th, she will graduate Southeastern with her master's degree. So (laughs) she is um, there and she is 70 years old. Um, She is incredible. And so I think, I never realized it was a problem almost um, until I faced it in my own personal and professional life, just because I had loving parents who modeled that you could live in mutual submission, like mom and dad were a team and they are, um, but dad would be the first one to say, go chase your dreams or she for him, you know, and they have being in their generation, they are more like I always say, um, God forbid mom goes first, dad will starve and follow soon after. Um, he does not cook. <laughs> he does not cook at all. So some of their roles are more in that way. But, you know, it, it was so emboldening for me to feel like mom's strong. If she has a word from God, she'll go speak it. But then she has no problem going home and being a wife. You know, it was just very um 
I hope that's what I model for my daughter. And I hope that's what we're opening up for girls now. Like I hope eventually it becomes something we don't have to uh, be as loud about because we go, Hey, like we just realized like, guys, what are we doing here? This is, this is so simple. You know, um, I would love for you to, uh, tell our listeners just as such a fun fact, is there a woman in the Bible? We always talk about, you know, Esther, Ruth, they have books named after them. They are, you know, these biblical women, you've got your Marys and your Marthas. Who's a cool biblical woman we need to look into more that we are not like as aware of. Oh, I love all of them. And and I do love Martha. um, Of course. Yeah. A lot because I feel like, you know, poor Martha, all the books, right. How to be a Mary in a Martha world. I've always related more to Martha. Yeah, me too. Um, And I think a lot of women do. Um, And, you know, but she is such a a fantastic um, figure in, in the scriptures. You know, I mean, I I think we, we forget that when, you know, Jesus and his group, you know, come to her house for dinner, like she couldn't just call Papa John's and order a bunch of pizzas. (laughs) I mean, it would have been a major thing, you know, to to fix his meal. And of course she, you know, she is um, entrenched in a, in this system where she is, she's in her place, right? She's doing the things she knows to do. But I think what we miss is the whole theme of hospitality and welcoming in yeah. Luke's gospel. I don't think it's by accident that Luke pairs this story with the Good Samaritan. Hmm. So the Good Samaritan who takes care of this stranger, this man that he doesn't even know and tends to his needs. And then we follow that with the story of Mary and Martha. And here is Mar- here is Martha, especially, you know, opening up her home to Jesus and offering the, this hospitality. Now, Jesus is going to extend um, the opportunity to become a a, a disciple at the feet of, of, of Jesus, right. To, to Mary. And I always say, if I ever preach this passage that I think Martha left the, the pots on the kettle and went and sat at Jesus's feet too, yeah. you know, because, you know, she doesn't know. And Jesus opens up this, this whole new world mm-hmm. for her. Um, but another, and so I love her. And then in John's gospel, she makes the most profound declaration of, of Jesus mm-hmm. in the, in the scene with Lazarus. Um, when, She's like, Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died, right? She has gone out to meet Jesus and she just, you talk about a strong woman. Yes. Like she <laughs> goes and speaks her mind to yeah. Jesus. And Jesus says, your brother will rise. And she mm-hmm. says, I know my brother will rise, you know, in the resurrection at the last day. Yeah. And then Jesus reveals himself to her um, and and gives us this new understanding that, you know, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, even though he dies, he'll live. Do you believe this? And she says, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God, the one coming into the world. She, she gets it. Mm. She puts it all together in John's gospel up to that point. She makes the most profound confession of who Jesus is. It's only kind of, parallel by Thomas's confession at the end of the gospel, when he declares Jesus to be my Lord and my God. Um, So, you know, Martha is strong. Mm. She she understands her doctrine. Um, She has no idea Jesus is going to raise Lazarus from the dead. She wouldn't even be able to comprehend that, but she makes this incredible profession of who she knows Jesus to be. And I just think that, that she's amazing. I love her. Um, 
and and if I could mention maybe one other that I love, I love Elizabeth. I love Elizabeth in Luke's gospel Um, because, you know, she's old, she's barren, you know, barrenness was a sign of God's disfavor. At least that's how it was perceived. So she's lived her whole life with this, but yet Luke tells us that her and Zachariah are both blameless. I mean, she's this, this wonderful character of, of, of faithfulness and service unto God and devotion and dedication, even despite not having children. Wow. And, you know, when she ultimately becomes pregnant, you know, she knows this isn't Zachariah per se, right? She's yeah, like, yeah. the Lord has done wow. this for me. So her acknowledgement of, yeah. of what God has done in her life. And, and then just to skip ahead to the, to the Mary, Mary story, when Mary comes to her door, mm-hmm. Elizabeth speaks prophetically. Wow. How is it that the mother of my Lord, you know, has, has come to my, to my wow. home? Wow. How does she know that? The spirit reveals it to her, right? The baby leaps within her. She interprets that. um, And she, you know, she prophesies to Mary, um, speaks prophetically to her. And I think in a, in, in a world where, you know, kind of intergenerational blessing is something that we're not real familiar with. I think Elizabeth is just this beautiful example of how we can speak a word and a blessing to those that are coming after us. Wow. Which is, you know, now that I'm in my fifties, um, <laughs> I, 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 I kind of feel that, right. What can I do to these young women coming after me? How can I pronounce a blessing to them? Um, their path may look different, just like Mary's, my word mm-hmm. looks so different, but yet Martha recognizes the working of God and she speaks a word to Mary that I think enabled her to have the strength to go forward because she had to be terrified. That's amazing. Uh, And so what can we, you know, what can we speak no matter how old we are to those who are coming behind us and offer them a word? Yes. Wow. I love that so much. That's something we're hugely passionate about here at known is the idea of being known by God. Yes. But being known by others, that there's always someone in front of you who has done what you're doing, but there's always somebody behind you. You can reach back and, um, and help and assist. And gosh, we can't thank you enough for this wisdom today. This has been so beneficial. I feel like I'm going to sit and ponder and friends, if you're listening and you've said, you know, these are things that I'm interested in knowing more about. Well, all we've said is just digging deeper into the Bible. (laughs) You know, we are not for making never once did we even cite another book. I mean, we really just want you to find it there for yourself. Dig in, um, go past those assumptions, go past those places where you've sat on things for years and go, well, I know this one verse. Well, cool. Dig around it, read in context, do a little, you know, contextual study and, um, find out because the Bible is such a living book, um, with so much to offer for all of us. Mm -hmm. And Dr. Archer, thank you. Thank you. You are welcome on this podcast. Anytime we are so (laughs) thrilled that you came to us today. Thank you. Well, thank you so much. I enjoyed it. Absolutely. And friends, we will be right back with more of the Known Podcast. Welcome back to the Known Podcast. We have a brand new segment for you called Ask Us Anything. This week, we opened up our online uh, to ask us questions in our Instagram. So at Known Ladies, if you are not already following us there, please do, because this is a weekly segment now, and we want to help and answer any questions. And listen, these questions that we have here range anything from silly to kind of serious. So today I picked one and it says, what's the best thing I can do to build my self-confidence? 
that's an incredible question. I feel like that's really relevant for a lot of us, but you know, that's not a simple answer. Um, one of the things that stuck out to me, I was reading in my Bible study book this week, uh, The Well-Watered Woman by Gretchen Saffles, and she said, a lot of times we are listening to ourselves instead of talking to ourselves. And I thought that was so good because a lot of times lies will roll around in your mind and you're just letting them sit there and soak and permeate your existence. Meanwhile, if we started talking to ourselves, speaking truth over our lives, the truth of God's word, which is that you are known, you are chosen, you are called, you are beautiful. Sometimes you have to say it till you believe it. I think a lot of times we use feelings as indicators, and feelings aren't always real, friends. Uh, God did give us those feelings for a reason, but if we're using them as our sort of cornerstone for reality, it's going to be a really bumpy, roller coastery life. Um, so I think this week, try one small, simple step of start talking to yourself, not in a crazy way, although I do that too, a lot of singing to myself. Start talking to yourself. Speak the truths of God's word over you and combat those thoughts when you hear those thoughts of failure. Instead of failure, focus on God's faithfulness. And we will be right back. Well, thank you so much for listening to The Known Podcast this week. My special thanks to our guest, Dr. Melissa Archer. Hey, listen, friends, you have been so good and so kind to us. Thank you for faithfully listening. Please share this with your friends uh, so that they can hear it. Review us on iTunes and on Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to DM us on social media at Known Ladies on Instagram and Facebook. If you have questions for the Ask Us Anything, we are here. We want to address the topics you want to hear, and we can't wait. We're so grateful. Never forget that you are known and loved by God. We'll see you next week.